Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We're live. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. It's West by Pod. It's a podcast about WVU sports, the Big 12, and also about half of the Pac-12 now. So I'm Joel Bracken. I'm joined, as always, by Jordan Pinto. You can find us on Twitter or X at WVStatsGuy at GameDayShorts. And you can find this pod at West by Pod with underscores in between. Um, Today, we are going to be talking uh, a little bit Oklahoma and a little bit of Cincinnati, continuing our off-season deep dive series. Um, so, Jordan, how are you doing? We're about a little under a month now at time of recording until uh, football is, is kicked off again. You know, uh, Joel, I was, I was just kind of basking in the glow of the glorious Pac-12 uh, teams that we added, you know, just a wash in the Conference of Champions and all the prestige um, that, that, you know, Arizona football and Arizona state football, um, in Colorado and Utah, I mean, you know, of the teams that we could have added from the PAC 12s, so that's certainly four of them, right. You know, <laughs> uh, we're really, we're really, uh, reaching for the sky with those four. Um, and so, you know, I was just basking in that glory and then, and then I'm reading some stuff online last night where the Arizona state AD doesn't want to come to Morgantown, you know, like Arizona fans are, are, um, bemoaning the fact that uh, that they have to come play in the Big Twelve now, like, buddy, we're not we're not fucking pinching ourselves over the fact that we get Arizona football on the gun. You know, like, welcome to our world. I, I don't know, like, what to say to these people. Um, like, it's just like some of the shit that I've been reading. I, you know, I, I can't help but laugh. I can't help but laugh and, and be a little bit a little bit pissed off. Um, you know, I shouldn't be because it's just random dudes online, right? Like, if you don't want to get mad, like, just get offline. Um, but at the same time, I've like felt a little bit more hatred towards some of these schools inside of 48 hours than I've felt towards a lot of the Big 12 schools in, in a decade. And so, uh, you know, it felt good and bad. I don't know. I'm good and bad right now. How are you doing? <laughs> it's been a weird week with the, I mean, the conference realignment stuff is like, you know, every couple hours there's like a new report and like none of them are credible, but then moves are making. And then, you know, Arizona is coming to the Big 12, but then the next morning, the Pac-12 reporters are saying, no, they've pitched them and they're safe. And then turns out like three team more teams are coming to the Big 12. Um, yeah, it's it's chaotic. But yeah, sorry we threw you a life raft. I mean, obviously the Pac-12 is, is going under. And uh, I mean, what, they've been rated now eight teams have left. Um, Joel, so. Joel and I pitched an online series to Apple TV last week. They got the exact same offer as the Pac-12 got. So yeah. Um, yeah, no, yeah, dude. They're, I mean, they're in, they're in shambles out there. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's bad scenes. I don't know. I mean, sure. Yeah, you're welcome, uh, and welcome to the Big Twelve. It's about yeah, well, fucking chaos, man. It is going to be chaos, and also like, well, I, I saw a lot of like pieces from different fans and different things. Like, oh, this is destroying our like regional rivalries and our, you know, this is what football is about. Yeah, welcome to our world for the last thirteen or eleven years. Like this is this is how it's been, and this is the way college football is going. And I don't love it. I don't like it. It stinks for everybody. But um, yeah, welcome. Like this is what we've been going through. This is what uh, now you got to travel to Orlando, Florida, and Cincinnati, Ohio, and Morgantown, West Virginia. Um, so we are. I think a, a couple weeks back we were. Our, our intro was inclusive of the Mountain West. Um, did we? Inc- are we inclusive of the Pacific time yet? I, Maybe we're close. I'm not sure if Arizona. I don't. Is. I think they're all Mountain Time still. Yeah. So, so we're not fully inclusive. We're but not I mean, all the way there. we're not coast to coast yet. <laughs> we're pretty damn close. <laughs> pretty damn close. Yeah, what I do mean, you What do you call the league? We were talking about this. What do you call this league now? I mean, what do you call? Yeah, obviously, like the numbers have always been stupid. Like the SEC works. It's Southeastern, like that works. ACC for right now that works because that's where the teams are. But the Big Ten and the Big Twelve. Are, are no longer even close to those numbers. 
And there's like not even like you almost have to just like come up with a name like a live golf team name that just like, you know, whatever the smashers like this is our league now because um, you, you have a you have USC going to to Rutgers like what do you what culture or what like, you know, relevance yeah. do they have? In, there's in nothing. The same there's no fra- yeah, there's no frame of reference. It's it's you know, the world is chaos. It's just that's what it is. Um, yeah, we'll have to think about that if anybody listening feels uh uh, feels froggy and wants to send us some ideas for like what you want to call the conference. Let us know. Um, otherwise, we'll we'll think of something uh, before next week, and then that will just be what the conference is called going forward. I yeah, think. that's that's that that'll replace our intro instead of it's the like it's like call. the yeah like the Washington football team. It's you know we need to think of like the like just is it like the American football conference or something like that or yeah um, I guess that's taken by the NFL, but we'll think of something. Yeah, we'll we'll have to come up with something. Definitely definitely open to any uh any whiteboarding. Um, suggestions anyone has but yeah so to the matter at hand today um we're talking oklahoma and we're talking about cincinnati um two teams that are projected on different sides of the big 12 this year 14 team big 12 um so let's get let's get it rolling yeah we'll, <laughs> we'll just get started with oklahoma this is this is their last year in the big 12 that that is correct right uh yeah yep they get okay. to they get to go be a middle of the pack SEC team starting in twenty four. So we're going from like fourteen down to twelve, and then probably up to sixteen. Um, the the Big Twelve that is. So Oklahoma last year, and speaking of all this chaos, last year was pretty chaotic for Oklahoma. Um, it was their first losing season since nineteen ninety eight. So uh, not something that they are used to. Obviously, a big coaching change, and you know maybe a big shock. It's not very often that. Um, coaches leave Oklahoma that that always has felt like more of a destination than the coach being like hey I'm going somewhere else um so last year first year for Brent Venables who has Oklahoma ties and uh Oklahoma comes in six and seven three and six in conference and um you know we 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 say these records and we're so like normalized to talking about these records in college football but um we know that there's always like a, a couple wins padded in there um, just looking at this from you know twenty thousand feet, looking back on the Oklahoma season, they won three games in conference. Those three games were Kansas, Iowa State, and the end of season zombie Oklahoma State. Those were the three teams that they lost to West Virginia. They lost to everybody else. That is uh, that's where Oklahoma was at last year. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a bit of a dumpster fire. I hope that uh, I hope that L that we uh, served them tasted good too, because you know I mean. Obviously, we're the reason they had that losing record. So, you know, good riddance to Oklahoma. Um, but yeah, you, I mean, you, you know, you're looking at it. It was really that three game stretch. And we, we didn't probably know it at the time, right? Um, that their opening conference play with Kansas State, TCU, and then Texas, which turned out to be the three best teams in the conference. Um, but, but the combination of the three, like if you look at it, they lose to Kansas State by a touchdown. So, you know, things still okay. Not Nothing horrible happening. TCU puts it on them a little bit. TCU beats them 55-24. And then the one that just absolutely snapped them in half, Kansas or Texas and, and the Red River uh, rivalry, just 49 to nothing. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah, after, I mean, you know, what – how do you even come back from that? I don't even know. They they rebounded against Texas and – or, sorry, Kansas and Iowa State. Um, then you lose to Baylor. You lose to us. Beat Oklahoma State. Lose to Texas Tech. Lose to Florida State. So, yeah, I mean, it was really a dumpster fire of a year zero. I mean, I mean you know, you have to build in certain expectations with the year zero. Just uh, new coaching staff. Obviously, they got hit hard by the portal. A lot of their best players followed um, Lincoln Riley to uh, to USC. Um, but even so, you know, I don't think six and seven is something that any Sooner fan even considered going into last year. Right. I mean, do you like that? That's so far below what I think any of them even thought was possible that it was uh, it was beautiful. It was yeah, beautiful it's, six and seven is definitely below the standard for them. And, you know, there are this handful of teams in college football that the talent is always or, you know, historically is going to outweigh pretty much everybody they play. And this has been one of those teams. I mean, like I said, they hadn't had a losing season since 98 and pretty regularly in double digit wins. So like your talent can just get you there a lot of the time. It's like, um, and you know, they, they did get gutted. They did lose a lot of key players, but still it's Oklahoma. And this is just like uncharted territory. I mean, like in my lifetime that I remember, obviously like this would have, this has never happened to Oklahoma. 
So yep. what do you, um, what do you think the, like, what was the issue? Cause I mean, you're looking at the numbers and you're looking at some of these grades, like, as I'm doing this deep dive and there's not really like a big red flag anywhere. Is yeah. there that you're seeing? This is like, they just found ways to lose games. It felt like. No, that is, that is like a interesting point that I also noticed. Like you look through the team, you're like, well, they were solid in that position group and this position group had some stars and like, they were fine here and there. And like, you know, they, if you looked at it blindly, you'd be like, wow, this could be like a nine win team. Like they looked fine. Like, you know, obviously, but like they had guys, they had guys way more than some teams that won more games. Dylan Gabriel, Marvin Mims, um, you know, they, they, and then obviously like the defensive mind of Brent Venables, all the things he did at Clemson. And, you know, you just have that on paper. And even just looking at the blind stats, you're like, wow, this, this seems like a good team, but um, yeah, they just didn't get it done. I mean, losing to West Virginia is just not something that you would have expected um, when you compare these two teams last year. So kind of a strange, kind of a strange thing um, for them this year. They're picked to come in to the big 12. um, They're picked to finish third. So, you know, confidence a little bit renewed. Um, I, I think also with just like the full life cycle of, a, of having the same coaches. So Venables, uh, Levy and Ted Roof all returning at the head coach and the two coordinator positions. So um, continuity and then just having that full cycle to like, you know, the way things work now, get your guys, have some things instilled, run it back. I think that's going to make a difference. And then the talent. I mean, just like the recruiting Oklahoma recruits fantastic you know especially like offensive linemen skill position guys like they, they get players so um yeah obviously the the voters or the the media have already you know still assumed oklahoma is going to be just fine this year yeah yeah i mean so you're you're coming in this year we'll get into the the over under and like what do we we think they're going to hit it but it's eight and a half and so i'm i don't know i'm just thinking like with the sec looming is this like already a make or break year for venables or does is he on the Neil Brown uh, grading curve? Like what, you know, how does, how does that work? Cause, it, yeah. cause like, like obviously West Virginia expectations are not what Oklahoma expectations are, right? Like another seven win season feels like his seat's going to be toasty by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Well, we've seen it before with other programs like Nebraska or like Florida state or something like there are teams that feel like they're, you know, at that pinnacle and they can't be knocked off. But all it takes is like one coaching change that doesn't go great. And if you like rush into a second one, like we've seen this happen, yeah. like this could be bad. But I don't think Venables is on any kind of hot seat yet. I mean, like I said, I, I, I do expect them to, to bounce yeah. back. And just generally speaking, I think they're going to be fine. Um, so last year they were 28th in offensive beta rank, 44th in defensive beta rank. So nothing spectacular, but like two solid units. Yeah. Um, returning production, they're basically right in the middle of the road. 76th in returning offense, 64th in returning D. Um, so, you know, a, a pretty good team getting getting about the average amount back. Continuity at the coaching staff. And, I mean, I think, generally speaking, just like having the same quarterback come back is always a, a big plus. Um, knowing what you have, there's no question there. Dylan Gabriel is uh, – I mean, Dylan Gabriel was one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12 last year. Depending on who you asked, he may be, be may have been the best. I mean, obviously, like we had Duggan and, and Martinez, but um, you know his PFF grade was was within decimal points of uh, the top in the conference. Yeah, no, I think he, he he was he was not any sort of a problem for them last year, right? You know, he was he was everything that I think that they expected him to be. Um, obviously, he was with Jeff Lebby at UCF uh, was twenty twenty, I think, COVID year. Um, and was very successful. So they had high expectations. And I don't think that he, I don't think he disappointed anybody. You know, like you said, the PFF grades were awesome. Um, he was really explosive. I want to say he had like a five and a half percent big time throw rate, which was top 40, uh, top 40 in FBS. Um, thing that I think was really impressive about him is a 1.1 turnover worthy play rate, which ranks second in uh, FBS, second overall uh, among quarterbacks with like 80 plus attempts. So, um, you know, he's, he's hitting big plays and he's not, but he's not really putting the ball uh, in jeopardy all that much. Um, you know, I think athletically 
he's he's a smaller dude. I think in terms of design carries, it's like between four and five a game. So you know he's not a huge threat in in the design carry game, but he is a he's a capable scrambler. Um, you know, I think uh, I saw in your notes you put it like he can run. He prefers not to, but he can, and I think that's a that's a good way to put it. Like he, you know, he's uh very much a uh, a scramble to throw kind of guy as opposed to a I'm bailing on my reads and and trying to get what I can with my legs. Yeah, which is surprising because when you watch him play, like he can move, like he yeah. can run, especially yeah, with good. open field. Um, he can he can eat up space, but yeah, he he unlike some quarterbacks that we have talked about already this offseason like he's a quarterback who is definitively throw first and like you know he it's enough just to keep you honest like the the number of carries is just enough that like you have to respect the read option neil brown are you listening but um yeah i mean all the stuff you said was was dead on what i had as well 24 to 6 touchdown to interception ratio 19 to 4 big time throw to turnover worthy plays so super efficient guy like he's not really going to put you in harm's way and um the guy can sling it the guy can run if the space is there like this is a great quarterback um i would say top three in the conference and you know you could make the argument for number one so he he's not the problem he's fine that's a great addition and having him come back um in the jeff levy offense is you know that's gonna be a big game i expect him to be better in year two yeah what do you uh what do you think about the uh the running backs yeah yeah so um last year eric gray was the the primary guy um and like very primary so you know i think it's pretty common we see a lot of teams really run you know two guys or maybe even three guys in a somewhat split last year it was like dominant eric gray but like for good reason he had almost 1400 rushing yards um six and a half a carry so this was a guy who was like taking the bulk of the carry so he's not coming back um this year the starter is a javante barnes is, is likely going to be the guy. Um, decent grades from last year. He had uh, 4.6 a carry on about 89 attempts of 407 yards, four scores. Um, looks to be the primary guy. I don't know if they'll go back to a more normal split. I mean, I think Eric Gray was just like outclassing everybody else last year. Um, anybody else stand out to you in the, the running back room? Yeah, I think the other name you would have to mention is is Gavin Sawchuck. So he and Barnes are both, uh, I think they were both four stars in the class of 22, right? I guess that would have made them. So they were both true freshmen last year. Um, Barnes Barnes got tick. Barnes, I thought, was was solid. Sawchuck um, really didn't play much until the bowl game, but he got good run in the bowl game and actually played played decently well. Um, had some had a productive bowl game. Um so yeah, I, I you know I don't think that he'll be splitting carries with with Barnes, um, but I you know I could see it's going to be probably like a like a sixty six percent you know like a two thirds to one third kind of situation, um, just to keep him fresh. But yeah, no, I honestly I like I I like Barnes. He wasn't um, you know amazing last year, um, but he's like you know he's just like your classic six foot. Honestly, I compare him to like what Oklahoma State has had a lot of, where it's like the six foot two hundred and ten pound guy. One cut gets downhill, hard to tackle. Um, not a ton of wiggle, I don't think. You know, he's not like a lot of the guys they've had. Like, you know, he's not like a Joe Mixon or a uh, Ramondre Ramondre Stevenson kind of guy, where it's like, you know, th- this guy's making a bunch of people missing stuff. But he's he makes you tackle him, is what I would say. Yeah. Um, I, I think my big question mark with both of these running backs is is Gray. You know, you mentioned he's a work workhorse in the in the running game. Uh, got a lot of targets as well. Like they threw him the ball a bunch. Um, he actually, I mean, he got a bunch of targets the year before, before he was even the primary ball carrier. Um, so he is an excellent receiver out of the backfield. I'm curious to see which of these guys, if, if either of them can, uh, kind of make up for those targets and, and replace that production in the passing game. Cause it was a big part of what they did, um, last year with gray. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think just in terms of, you know, they're obviously going to be missing a few guys from last year. I think, you know, you have to mention Marvin Mims moving yeah. into the, you know, the receiving game. Um, so he, this guy was a second round draft pick. Um, this, this was a big talent. Um, I mean, they had a 1400, almost a 1400 yard rusher and Marvin Mims was over a thousand yard receiver. I mean, that's, those are, those are two talented guys you're losing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, Mims, the, the thing that concerns me, so they have dudes, right? Like they have dudes at receiver, 
Um, you, you mentioned the rec- Oklahoma probably hasn't been outside of the top 15 nationally in recruiting uh, in the same, like since the last losing season, since 98. I mean, you know, this is a team that reloads. Obviously, Venables and the brand name uh, is uh, attractive in the transfer portal. So, um, but, you know, they have Jaleel Farouk, Drake Stoops, both back. Um, they're the only two guys back with, with who had more than 10 targets last year, but I think they had like 120 combined. So, you know, they got plenty of work last year and they were both good. Um, I think PFF grades in the mid to high sixties, um, for both of them. The, the concern though, is like as good as these dudes are right there's there's a difference between like a dude and like a capital D dude, which is what Marvin Mims was. I mean, the dude averaged over 20 yards of reception. Yeah. Um, like had had 17 explosive receptions, so 17 20 plus uh, yard plays, averaged 8.1 yards after the catch. So like it wasn't just like they're they're running go routes with this dude and and he's taking the lid off the defense. It's like you give him the ball anywhere on the field and he's he's a home run waiting to happen. And I you know even with the dude they added a couple dudes in the portal, a dude from Michigan, um, Andrew Anthony, a dude from from Texas. I'm not. I'm not seeing that skill set in any of these guys. I'm seeing a lot of solid players, like a lot of, you know, like B to A tier players, but nobody in the S tier. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with everything you said there. Um, yeah. The, the stats on Mims last year, like there's just so many video games. Game, it is. It is like, was there like a cheat code play you were running? Um, I like the, uh, I like the um, yards per route run, 2.71 yeah. yards per route run. Um, yeah. And so Farouk is probably going to be maybe your number one guy. He's the next closest to him uh, at 1.32. So Marvin Mims averaged double the yards per route run. You, you get him out there and like good things were happening. Um, yeah. Farouk also had a, a minor drop problem last year. Uh, Stoops obviously is like your slot guy, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's typical Oklahoma. I mean, it feels like they always have like a, a very star stud receiver, um and just not you know we're talking preseason football we're talking what happened last year what can we predict to the future um they generally find one like they probably have one on this roster but looking at it in this offseason now you're like who is it i'm not sure i know who that guy is yet yeah yeah i mean it it hasn't been any of the guys we've mentioned uh to this point in their careers um the one guy there's so there's two guys so lv bunkley shelton um, who we talked about in the Oklahoma deep dive last year as a transfer. I want to see as a transfer from like UNLV or something. Very, very, very productive at his previous school and only had like four targets last year. So like, you know, is he like a, like a, like a post hype breakout guy where, you know, now that Mims is out of the way, maybe he's taking some of those Mims routes, Mims targets kind of thing. They all, and, and they always talk about transfers in year two. Yeah. It's like a common yeah. thread. So like, does he have his feet under him now, and maybe he he makes an impact? Because like, really, I mean, his grade he, he was his grades were dark green, which is a good thing as far as PFF's concerned. Um, and then I saw Jacques Petaway, um, true freshman, crack the two deep. You know, is it one of those things where they love him, or do they just not have anybody else to put in there? But knowing the way that they recruit, I'm sure that this dude is. You know, I'm sure like. <laughs> He's as heralded as as Rodney Gallagher is, so you know it's nothing to sleep on. Maybe he's maybe he makes an impact this year, but yeah, I, yeah. I think generally, I just I, I don't see the uh, the home run guy in the room right now. But like mm-hmm. you said, I'm sure that I'm sure I'm sure a challenger will emerge. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, one thing that Oklahoma has always been good at, and always I think dominated the league. The reason that they have always dominated the league, I mean, obviously they always have great skill guys, but the offensive line. They've always been, generally speaking, the best offensive line in the conference. Like you know, kind of in a year-over-year perspective. Since and last joined, year, right? They've they've been the best. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, I think last year they were probably the best offensive line, or, or right there as well. I think PFF had them as the best offensive line. Um, but last year they had a lot of older guys. And um, correct me if I'm wrong. And I was looking through this year. I was only seeing two of the five guys returning three of the five guys returning um so you know a a little nick there that's not uncommon obviously we're you know it's pretty pretty usual for you to have a couple guys missing off the line but um you know with some of these productive guys gray and mims gone just that that's that's like been a constant and i just wonder with some of this regime change with venables the defensive approach guy like 
is the offensive line going to be the best? If it drops to the middle of the pack, what does that do to this offense? Because that has just been like a standard for them. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it would definitely be a problem, right? Like does the hog, the hog molly factory, uh, you know, if production sleeps, that could be that could be a problem for them. But um, yeah, no, like you said, they, they have uh, McKay, Mattower. Um, oh, boy, I'm going to I don't want to mess this, this pronunciation up. Sorry. Andrew Rain. And then uh, and then Tyler Guyton. I think those are the three guys who are back from last year. They all played. I don't think Guyton started full time, but he got mm-hmm. like 400 saps or something like that. So um, but that's the that's the entire right side of their offensive line. Uh, I like what they did in the portal here. Walter Rouse. Um, so redshirt senior transfer from Stanford was a uh, was a two year starter at Stanford and and had some good looking grades. You know, I didn't go watch Stanford film, but going based on the grades, he's in the he's in the 70s, which is generally a good sign. Um, I think the question mark is, is Savion Bird, the left guard, is just a redshirt sophomore, only has 150 snaps to his name and, and did not grade out all that well on the 150 snaps last year. So, um, you know, I think he's probably the question mark. You, you, looking at their depth chart right now, a, 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 a true freshman is, is behind him right now. So um, curious to see if that left guard position really kind of dense, dense, you know, I mean, chain's only as strong as this weakest link, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, if they take a minor step backwards, uh, it could be a problem because like I said, I don't, I don't see their running backs as being like wiggly, like the running backs are not going to create a ton of their own yardage. They're more like, we're going to get what's there kind of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it could be a problem. Um, but at the same time, man, it's like, it's like the opposite of West Virginia, right? We're like, we're hearing all this shit about how good everybody is. And it's like, yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to see that on the field at some point. Right. Like if you're looking at Oklahoma, especially the offensive line and saying, I'm not so sure. It's like, yeah, I need to probably be proven that they're going to be bad before I'm going to just assume that they're going to be bad. So, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, man, overall, like I, Gabriel's Gabriel. If the offensive line's good, I expect this offense to be fine. Um, if the sorry, if the offensive line is good, I expect the offense to be fine. Um, and and if somebody does emerge as a deep threat to kind of fill the the role that was vacated by Mims, I could see him taking like a tiny step forward from last year. Where I mean, you mentioned they were what twenty eighth in beta rank. Mm-hmm. You know, I could see as being like a top twenty, top twenty five offense if if somebody emerges on the outside to to uh, provide a deep threat. Yeah, I think looking at the offense, it's it's probably in the same vicinity as it was last year for me. Just looking at like Gabriel probably is going to be a little bit better in the system, maybe just a general boost with Lebby and the continuity. Um, you know, running back room obviously lose a big guy, receiver room lose a big guy, but you have enough there. And then the offensive line, kind of that assumption that they're going to continue to be at form. Um, I think yeah. this offense is going to be fine. What I'm really interested to see is the, the year two Venables defense. Like he has his hands all over this thing now. And I'm curious to see like, does Oklahoma grow a defense that is like a problem for the league? Because, you know, that that is just like the assumption that under under Venables, you're going to have a defensive first kind of approach. Um, so the, uh, you know, this is crazy, actually, just looking looking at the all big 12 team, only one Oklahoma Sooner. That is pretty, that's pretty wild. Cause usually there's like three guys on the offensive line alone. Um, they got one guy and it's Ethan downs and, uh, he's going to be your premier guy on the defensive front. Um, I think this defensive front's going to be pretty good. What, what do you think about it? Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't think that there's going to be any kind of big drop off. They lose, uh, they lose Johnson. They lose Jalen Redmond. Um, but a lot of good players stuck around and they mm-hmm. add um, Trace Ford. So uh, like a four-year contributor, Oklahoma State was part of those uh, face eaters in uh, in 21 and 22 transferred in. So, you know, it's never bad to have like a 27-year-old um, guy on your defense. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think plenty, plenty of good guys stuck around. I mean, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Ethan Downs. Um, Isaiah Coe is a, is a name that we have been mentioning as a starter for this is probably his third year as a starter. Jordan Kelly, three-year contributor, at least Reggie Grimes. Um, Jonah Laulu is a, uh, was a high profile transfer last year who I think I expected probably to have a bigger impact than he did. So year two transfer, does he, does he make a little leap? Um, and then, uh, you know, the big, the big transfer that we have to mention is, is Rondell Bothroyd, um, 
who was a, a very good player at Wake Forest. I think, a, you know, a four-year contributor, probably at least a three-year starter. It's kind of, you know, started games in, in, in three years, um, was an excellent pass rusher last year, had an 89.6 pass rush grade uh, at Wake Forest last year, which was top 10 in the country. Um, so, you know, you, you're pairing downs who's preseason all conference. Now you have this Bothroyd guy coming off the other edge. Um, maybe you're getting a little, you know, it's, I'm not saying it's like mid, uh, teens Clemson, but you're, you're starting to get to the, you know, I think a big thing with Venables, right. Is he wants the the defensive line to generate the pressure so that the linebackers can go and make the tackles. They didn't really have that last year. And I mean, they made, they made some moves this, this, uh, off season where maybe they're getting a little bit closer to what that was. Yeah. I, I think they're kind of loaded with guys here on the defensive front. And, yep. and yeah, I also kind of focused on Rondell Bothroyd who great name, also great player. Yep. Also college football is just kind of hilarious right now because this guy has played in five seasons at wake. And now, now he's coming to Oklahoma. Like he's played, he started in 2018. He had 32 snaps that year, basically played full time for four years or for the most part. I don't I know. Think- Trace Ford, Trace Ford's the same way. Trace Ford was his, his first snaps were in 2018 too. So, I mean, that's yeah. just hilarious. I mean, it's, it's crazy that that can even happen, but he had a 90.6 r- pass rush grade last year at wake. That's, that's really good. Um, if you are not familiar with the PFF grades, that is, that is very elite. So throwing that in there with the guys they already have, like, I think this front is going to be a problem. I mean, they're going to be up there. Here's the thing is that if they have a, a unit dinner, like if they have a defensive lineman dinner, um, like on the Thursday before a game, Trace Ford and Bothroyd can uh, rent cars and, and drive everybody there. So that's that's a positive as well. Um, <laughs> got some responsible guys. On the- <laughs> got some got some 25 year old adult human beings on the defensive front for them. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about the uh, what, what do you think about the linebackers? Yeah, the the linebacking core, the, the main guy I really wanted to highlight here was Danny Stutzman. Um, just really stood out to me. He was the top snap guy last year as a sophomore. And, I, you know, his grades weren't fantastic, but I feel like everything about him gives me the recipe of a guy that has a lot of room to grow. Um, 919 snaps. He had He did everything. He had 17 pressures, three sacks, 94 tackles. He led the team. He also had two picks, um, you know, some pass breakups. This guy was kind of everywhere. I mean, this this is your your middle linebacker, so you know, obviously he's going to be involved and he's going to be around the ball. But um, was just a sophomore last year and really kind of kind of contributed in a lot of ways. PFF grade not fantastic. It doesn't jump off the page to you, but but that's a guy that um, that could be like the mold of those dudes they had at Clemson at linebacker. Like I, I think that could be him. Yeah, yeah, no, I think he's he's the guy that you know the rock on which they're building they're building their church. Like uh, Venables always has the linebackers. Um, actually, I don't I don't know. So I was looking at uh, at uh, PFF. I thought it said 102 tackles, which was which was top five among FBS linebackers. So, I, yeah, I I don't include the bowls when I do my searches. Ah, we'll see. Yeah, there you I've go. noticed our numbers. Yeah, yeah, our numbers are always a little different. Anyways, yeah. okay, so I mean, shit, but yeah, 94, 94 regular season tackles. Uh, in his first really season as as a contributor, um, very very productive. Like you said, probably made a lot of the mistakes that you would expect from a first year starter in a new defensive scheme. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I think he he got he got some preseason. Lo- I don't know if he made an All Big Twelve team. Maybe he didn't make the first team, but I thought he got some preseason love in, in the from the uh, Big Twelve media. Um, and yeah, I, I think he's a guy I expect to take a step forward. Um, you know, other than him, they had a guy, Kenek, uh, what's his first name? Um, Jaron Kenek, true sophomore. So basically last year, Danny Stutzman, um, who played like 140, 150 snaps last year, graded out well, um, but didn't play a ton. Uh, I think that was an interesting thing that I noticed, actually, is if you look, so they had Stutzman, and then they had two other guys who who all played like 900 snaps. So, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like they like to rotate too much at those linebacker positions. But anyways, uh, Canex back, and then they had Desan McCulloch uh, from Indiana who didn't start but was a contributor at Indiana last year. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, depth concerns maybe, but uh, like I said, you know, they really only played three last year. So if those three dudes, if they like them and, and they all stay healthy, then 
uh, depth obviously isn't too much of an issue, but yeah, I think Stutzman's going to be really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Canik had a had a really high coverage grade, eighty six. Yeah. On, you know, not a not a ton of snaps, but um, it's pretty good for a linebacker. Usually, they get exposed in the coverage game. Um, moving to the secondary, um, so it looks like they have maybe two guys coming in through the portal. Um, or sorry, they have one through the portal, and then um, Josiah is a Wagoner. He he's going to be starting as a freshman, is what I'm seeing. Um, I don't really know much about him. I, I imagine he is a, a four or five star guy. Um, but that is, that is a that is a little like that stands out to me just that they would have a freshman starting. Um, you know, for your cornerbacks, I do like Woody Washington. It seems like he had a really great season last year. Um, 75 grade in coverage. That's really good. 800 over 800 snaps. Um, so, you know, I, I think this defense is building in the right direction and I'm I'm like of like units or like, I guess, um, sides of the ball that I'm most excited to see. I'm just like, is Oklahoma going to jump from what did I say? Like 40 something 44th this year. Are they going to jump up to like 16th or like 12th or like eighth? Cause like, um, you know, I think they, they have enough guys to, to improve. And I think they probably will be better than last year, but I'm just curious if like, this is going to be a fast build where this defense gets really good quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on some of the growth, right? Like if Stutzman like, makes a leap in the middle of the defense, that obviously helps. Um, like you said, Washington's back. They have a couple dudes in the in the secondary who are back. If the freshman's ready, I don't know if you looked, but the guy, so at Nickelback, the guy backing up uh, Wagoner is also a freshman. Um, but Key Lawrence isn't listed as a starter. He played a lot last year. I wonder if he's going to play some spots there. But yeah, no, I mean, overall, like honestly, even if so, if they're if they're 25th in offense and 25th in defense, like this is a, still a much better football team than it was a year ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I think I think they're going to be good. And I think that's a good segue to the schedule because they're probably going to win some games. Yeah, disgusting. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely disgusting. Here, let me pull it up. I know we were talking about it earlier, but I forget just how awful it was. It's one yeah. of those things where it's like, you know, I, I think we talked earlier in the year about how Oklahoma State's going to probably suck and still win nine games just because of who they play. Um, like Oklahoma's schedule is right there with them. Oklahoma where, could easily go eleven and one, easily. maybe ten and two. Like easily, it, it, dude, they it, could it, fall. They could fall ass backwards into eleven and one and ten and two. Which Your out of conference is Arkansas State, home for SMU, and then at Tulsa, which is funny that they have to go to Tulsa. Uh, <laughs> but um, big road trip for them there. But after that, so so you're probably three and zero. You go in to Cincinnati, then you get Iowa State. So you're probably five and zero. I mean, you're probably five and zero going to Texas. Yeah, going to Texas. That's going to be a game that always matters. After that, you have UCF, Kansas. Oklahoma State, West Virginia, BYU. You're going to be favored probably in all five of those. And then TCU at the end of the year. Who knows what TCU is this year? Um, yeah, this is a soft schedule for a you team know, that you expect to improve. Without without having uh, the, the preseason poll in front of me, I want to say that's that's the bottom six teams are, right. are in that schedule. Um, when you talk about UCF, Cincinnati, Iowa State, us, BYU, yeah, Kansas and, is probably uh, like coming Kansas right in is there. right there. Do they play? They play all the new boys. Am I missing somebody? BYU, they got BYU, UCF, Cincinnati. Um, no Houston. No Houston. Okay, so Houston's the only one of the bottom six that they don't play, but they're playing Kansas instead. And then obviously Oklahoma State, who we both think um, is a good. does not look good. Very beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> why can't we play this schedule dude why cannot like here's the thing right so oklahoma's over under eight and a half if they were playing our schedule i would lean under i would almost put that as like a lock they're not going to win more than it then they're not going to win nine games against our schedule yeah. but like against this schedule you're right like where is the loss other than texas on this entire fucking schedule i mean yeah tcu they get home Maybe. from west virginia um I mean, like, what is the hostile environment they have to travel to? Texas no. is a neutral site. They have to go to Oklahoma State. I mean, that that's, you know, a big game. Cincinnati, I guess maybe that's their Big 12 opener. Like, I could see something, but we're about to talk Cincinnati, and I don't know, like, what kind of I'm fangs they're going to have. I'm not so, super high. I'm not, I'm not high super yet. high on them. I'm not high on the schedule. 
overall, I mean, I think this team, I think Oklahoma marginally better than they were last year where they definitely underperformed. There's no way yeah. that, that, that they should have only won six games last year, which is, you know, which is fine. They, they deserved a little bit of a season like that. That's fine. Um, they're also, they're not going to, I don't think it's as good of a team as their record is going to indicate at the end of the year. Yep. Which maybe last year, six and seven was not as bad as a record as their team was, but, um, that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we've covered Oklahoma. Let's move on to Cincinnati, probably at a slightly quicker pace because I don't know if there's as many, uh, glowing things and stats to highlight on Cincinnati. Um, so Cincinnati, this is the last of the newbies to cover. If you uh, are interested in any of these other deep dives, we've done everybody through this point in the West Virginia schedule. Um, so this is the last of the the four new teams we are covering. Last year, they went 9-4, and 6-2 and two in the American Conference. Actually a respectable season um, in terms of when we look at some of these teams, the schedules that they played in conference um they didn't lose a regular season game by more than a score i kind of throw out uh bowl game results a little bit um they beat like indiana they beat some teams that are like power five teams like you know this this was fine nine and four um but a coaching change um you know i think is the big highlight here and then obviously the step up into the power five so scott satterfield is taking over as coach and i think this is a downgrade here this is you know um yeah. this is this is a little bit of a change yeah. <laughs> yeah. I to put it lightly so Satterfield you know he had a really good stint at Appalachian State actually like he he had some success but um never really found his footing at Louisville I think his record was right around 500 um in four seasons there and the guys he is building his staff out with kind of are guys that are in common with him so Brad Glenn on the offensive coordinator um, they spent a lot of time together at Appalachian State in the early 2010s. Um, Brad Glenn's been all over the place. Most recently, he was the pass game coordinator at Virginia Tech last season. So, coordinated the shit out of that thing, didn't he? It was very coordinated. It was uh, a banger of a coordination job back there. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, it's a, it's a good point though. It's that that's his most recent stop. So he is now your OC at a Power Five school. Okay, DC. I like this one to be a little bit better. Brian Brown. This yeah, guy's like this one. This this guy's been with Satterfield for a while. They had ties all through Appalachian State. Sort of rose the ranks together. Um, and then he spent some time in Louisville as well. So this is a guy who has a lot of continuity and probably makes more sense than Brad Glenn. But all in all, you can't not say that this coaching staff's a downgrade. I mean, uh, Fickle had this thing rolling, and uh, remind me what Big Ten team he went to, but um. They, uh, do you remember? Is it Wisconsin? Maybe it was. Yeah, I think that sounds right. I think um, Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. I, I was not confident. I was nodding like I knew, but I, I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I couldn't really remember. Um, <laughs> I think it's Wisconsin, though. Yeah. Yeah. So Cincinnati, I mean, I, just like my general view of Cincinnati is this is an upstart team that got a great opportunity. They're getting into a league that, you know, is a step up. And not that they didn't deserve it, like they had their success over the years, but they are not currently equipped to make this step. Everything is new. Um, Not only are the coaches, the players, because they are 119th in offensive returning production and 105th in defense. So like, um, it's like if Jordan and I started a school and we had to go hire coaches and also find players and we play in the power five. I mean, it's, it's like in that sort of realm of just like, you are in this position and this is like probably a good position, but like, I just don't know what expectations are leading into this year and how they can be too positive. A reminder, they were picked to finish 13th. West Virginia was picked to finish 14th. So. This is just, this is where we're talking about where, where I'm just saying like our narrative suck. That's fine. But our, like, you can't like, tell me we're worse than this team. We're, we're not worse than this team. We're not worse than this team. We're not, not worse than BYU. Than exactly. We're not worse than Houston. UCF, like I need to see it, sure, but um, yeah, no, this I mean they're they're down bad, like you said, 122nd in returning production. I think generally they've like done okay, but like you said, it's it's like it's like they went into a big Lego box of like P5 transfer players, and they're like, huh, this is like a four peg thing. We need a little four peg Lego right here. 
Um, and we need a two peg Lego right here. And then if we stack two more two peg Legos, does that equal four peg Lego? I don't know. Um, but you know, I, they've, they've tried their best. I uh, 16 transfers on the two deep, right? Yeah. Out of 20 out of 22 guys. So, yeah. um, 11, 11 of their 22 starters are transfers. Yeah, and seven so, of their offensive starters. Seven of the 11. Seven of the 11 offensive starters are transfers. And, you know, like, I'm sure some of those dudes will hit, right? But, like, we've been in this world for a little while, and there's no, you're, not, you're not batting 1,000 out here. You're not even batting 500. Yeah. Um, and so which ones fail? Which, 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 uh, which pieces of the foundation fail? Yeah. Um, you know, if it if the wrong ones do, it could be a spectacularly bad season. If it's just like some, you know, bystander piece, like if one of the receivers doesn't work out or two of the receivers don't work out, but the offensive line and the quarterback works out, maybe it's fine. But yeah, let's get into. Uh, I don't know. I like I like what they did at quarterback. What do you think about that? I like the quarterback move. It's probably the best move they have on the offense. The best and, move for yeah. sure. Emory Jones. Um, you might know him from Florida. You might also know him from Arizona State. Um, that's just how college football is now um oh, our old our old conference foe the sun devils huh yeah big 12 big 12 legend emory jones um <laughs> but no i think this is a good piece he's got a lot of experience like some of the guys we've already spoken about today i think this guy's played four seasons of football um and five seasons five five seasons of football i mean year. that's crazy um Fucking COVID, man. I, I could throw stats at you. I mean, Emory Jones might be a name that you recognize since he's played a lot of P5 ball. But, I mean, I think the biggest things that stand out for me with Emory Jones is turnovers um, or just general riskiness. Um, his career, like, you know, he has more turnover-worthy plays. In, or he, he hasn't had a season with more big-time throws and turnover-worthy plays um he has 18 interceptions in his career 33 touchdowns so you know that's a great ratio but um I, I just worry about some of the the ball protection not a big yards per attempt guy either um so you know this is a guy who has f- lots of years of power five experience i think this is an awesome pickup for a team that you know the cupboard was left bare sorry to steal that one but um yeah i think this this is a serviceable guy he's got enough experience and you hope that he can, um, you know, carry some of the load because they're going to need it. This, the skill set matches what Satterfield likes to do, right? Or what, excuse me, Brad Glenn, offensive coordinator, likes to do. Um, yeah, no, I mean, Malik Cunningham ran the ball. I think he had over 100 design carries last year. Um, if you look, Arizona State, Emory, I think, only had like 30-some last year. But the year before that in Florida, he had over 100. So, mm-hmm. you know, on paper, he's a big athletic dude. Who can who can handle that workload? They're going to ask him. They're going to ask him to contribute to the running game, and he seems like he's probably going to be able to do that. Um, in terms of the passing game, there's the riskiness there that you're talking about. Uh, he struggles big time with pressure. Um, I don't know if you looked at some of his uh, splits where he kept clean versus pressured. Uh, very 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 nice numbers when he's kept clean, like up in the 90s and PFF down in the thirties and twenties um, when he's pressured. So, you know, huge disparity there. It does not like to be pressured. And th- that seems like it's probably going to be a problem when you look and see that all three of the starting receivers are uh, also transfers who he's never played with. So, you know, it's not like, it's not like Brady getting under pressure and like, Oh, Welker's probably going to be somewhere right there. Right? Like these guys haven't gone to war together at all. That, that feels like a, a big concern to me. Yeah. And maybe that's a good segue to the receiving room because, yeah. I mean, this is like build your own receiving room. Um, so what, in the two deep, five, five of the five six of the guys six. are transfers. Um, so, I mean, it's just a, a brand new set. Um, you know, I think you meant, and a lot of these guys are like experienced. So, I mean, you're, you're, all your starters are, are senior transfers. Um, and then you got a handful of juniors in the two deep. So, like, these are guys with experience, but... Um, None of these guys necessarily connected. And when I, you know, was looking through the numbers, nobody like stood out to me. Did you have a, a favorite in this group or? I mean, I think, I think Xavier Henderson, the dude from Florida was, was the most productive. Um, 
based on the level of competition, obviously SEC was reasonably productive. Um, but yeah, Ali, Donovan Ali, D. Wiggins, neither of them were that good. Um, Burkhalter from North Carolina A&T was solid, but again, North Carolina A&T. Um, Aaron Turner, the dude from UConn, um, he's the only one of these dudes who's under 6'3", by the way. That's another thing I noticed. I saw a bunch of big, wow. big fucking guys out there. Um, he was really productive at UConn, so I don't know... But he's not—he's not listed as a starter. I have to—I have to imagine that if he's as good as his numbers indicate, he probably ends up playing. Um, but yeah, I mean, no, it's, it, you know, they're not. It's not like uh, Jordan Addison going to USC out here. Any or any of these guys, right? Like, they're fine. I'm sure they're fine. Yeah. Um, average average P five players. I don't know. I mean, Xavier Henderson is a going to be a starter and i'm seeing that he has um i'm oh, sorry i'm looking at the the wrong tab here sorry never mind that that's a that's a error right there i was looking <laughs> i was looking at his rushing tab and it was like saying he had two attempts i was like i feel like that's really low to yeah, be a trash starter. <laughs> <This guy sucks>. <laughs> <laughs> i was very confused for a minute um but yeah i mean i think this room is just kind of a big question mark like yeah hopefully you have some guys pop but this is just, you know, this is starting from scratch, so I almost don't even want to speculate too much of, of what to no, expect there. No, like you said, five of the six new guys, who, who the fuck knows? Yeah. Um, the only place that's really returning continuity is the running back room. Um, yep. Corey Kiner and, and Miles Montgomery. And and these guys kind of looks really similar to me, just in, in terms of size, kind of style. Um, and they both averaged about four touch last year. So, you know... Decent, decently efficient runners. Um, last year, they had seventy six to sixty five carries, so um, they were kind of the the two and three guys. So, um, you have any any comments on those guys? Um, my note, my note on them was anything stand out? Question mark. No, no, like I was going to ask yeah. you the same thing. Like perfectly serviceable running backs, you know, pending a line play, right? Like I'm sure if the, if the guys block good, they'll gain yards. And if they don't, I don't think that these are dudes who are going to, uh, uh, create their own yards. Uh, like you said, four and a half yards of carry for Kiner, um, 2.3 after contact, 11 missed tackles, nine explosives. Like I'm not, nothing stands out to me. No. Not really with these guys. No, they're like the same height. Same run last year. They same run yeah. zone and gap the same amount. Like it's just they they're the same guys. So yeah, they're they're fine. They're, they're fine. fine. They don't um, move the needle though. Yeah, but they're gonna need an offensive line to find them holes. Similar to the receiving room, um, I'm seeing three transfers starting. Um, so you know the they're getting two guys back from last year and didn't have necessarily that good of grades of the guys they're getting back. Um, and then, then three transfers in. So kind of don't know what to say with that grain of salt. I always mention of the, the stepping up a level in terms of offensive and defensive line play. Yeah. The two, the two holders, the two holdovers either didn't play or, or didn't play well. Um, and then, yeah, I'm seeing one of the, one of the dudes coming in, Radicevich, two year starter at Penn. So, you know, stepping up like two levels, um, Luke Kandra, maybe something there. He played at Louisville, so he'll know the scheme. Um, had some decent grades on like 300, 300 plus snaps. So, you know, that's that's probably a pretty good pull. Um, and then what is uh, what is Buford? DeAndre Buford's uh, DeAndre Buford from uh, Kentucky, subpar, two hundred plus snaps last year. Like, it's not it's not a good it's not a good situation up front. I don't think to be stepping up into the into the big 12 yeah i I wouldn't want to be in their situation up front yeah i I mean just generally offensive i don't think i'd want to be in the situation just to reiterate they were 77th in offensive beta rank last year so they weren't you know they were a little below average um and then 119th in returning offense production so just kind of a clean slate and it's it's just sort of hard to speculate honestly about about some of this like you said seven guys starting out of 11 are transfers so yeah um, it feel it feels like an insane amount of things would have to go right for them to be not a bottom quarter offense in the Big Twelve. Oh yeah, you know? I think that's a that's a safe assumption. Yeah. I mean, this this could be the worst offense in the in the Big Twelve. To be honest, could be. It, it could, could be. be. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, some things would have to go right for this team to be to be decent. Um, the defense last year was actually the strong suit. They were 30th in defensive beta rank, um, but it are plagued by the same thing. The returning production is 105th, and you're missing a really big guy in Ivan Pace. Um, you know, this is... He actually went undrafted, which when you look at his PFF grades and his, you know, output, you're like, this dude went undrafted. But um, I actually was searching him up earlier today, and apparently he's turning heads, and they're like, oh, this guy's, he went undrafted, but he's in training camp somewhere. And, you know, they're like, oh, this guy's great, and he's apparently making moves. But um, reminds me yeah. of, uh, reminds me of Malcolm Rodriguez, right? Mm-hmm. Like Malcolm Rodriguez, like burned, burned the Big 12 to the ground in, in 2021 and like got drafted in like the sixth or seventh round and then was like starting week one for the Lions, where it's like, what the, f-? and it, it's not even like pace was the same way, where it's like, it's not like some uh, some chump out there who ran like a four eight, right? Like Rodriguez mm-hmm. like ran like a four four five. Like I think pace pace, very very good athlete. Um, so yeah, no, it's just like just like a weird thing. But yeah, huge hole in their defense. Huge yeah. hole. Second second consecutive. It's just like you know you lose. Like these dudes don't come along often, right? You lose Sauce Gardner. Um, you lose Ivan Pace consecutive years. They're gonna lose. Dante Corleone um, this year. And it's just like, what the fuck do you have left? Like those dudes are rare period, but they're extra rare for a program like Cincinnati. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. And Dante Corleone is sort of your new feature defensive guy. Um, He had a 93.8 grade last year on PFF, which is insanely high. He is the uh, defensive. He's on the uh, all big 12 team. Um, Cincinnati actually has two guys. The, the punter uh, for Cincinnati is the other. Um, so more than Oklahoma, um, but Dante Quilione, a menace last year on the defensive line. My notes on him though, is why did he only play 328 snaps? That is, that was something that stood out to me because for how productive he is, is he just like a high performance, but low, um, like you know, like you can't keep him in there enough. I just, you're looking at the snaps per game and it's like, there was one game, the Navy game, which is like when you couldn't sub him out because, you know, the style that Navy runs, he played 51 snaps, but there are like several games where he's playing like 17 snaps, 21 snaps, 21 snaps, 24 snaps. And I don't know why that, that just kind of stood out to me is grading out fantastically when he's in the game. I just was, you know, like, what do they have other than, and then him in there, um, Another guy to mention would be Briggs, uh, Jawan Briggs on the defensive line. But um, yeah, do you have any any uh, comments on the D line? Yeah, no. I mean, Corleone was he's he's the top uh, graded returning defender of any team in the new Big uh, Fourteen, the Big Fourteen, um, with that ninety three point eight. Um, and you know, I think he's I think he's just a he's just a big old just a big old fat guy. I think he's just a big fat guy. <laughs> um, and maybe. <laughs> He's a he's a first in, pounds. He's not what the French call a trois down player, right? Like he's a first and second down player. Um, and he's just super productive on those downs. And then they like Briggs, uh, so Briggs is listed as a D end on uh their depth chart, but if you look on PFF, he's listed as an interior defensive lineman. So I, I assume that uh and because Briggs played like seven hundred snaps, I so I assume what happens is they probably both play on first and second down. On third down, they, you know, get some get some faster dudes in there to rush the quarterback because mm-hmm. Dante Corleone has uh, the Godfather has clearly um, just stacked them up to like third and third and thirteen or something like that. Um, but yeah, no, I I think they're 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 going to need them to play a little bit more this year because like they they have good pieces, but like you're not going to get all the way away with that in the Big Twelve, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think like one of the, one of my notes about the defense generally, right, is like there are a lot of dudes who graded out in that like sixty five to seventy range, which is like above average. But you have to consider it's above average in the American Athletic Conference, right? Exactly. And so, are those sixty five to seventies this year, or are they sixties to sixty fives? Are they fifty fives to sixties? Right? So, it's you know who knows. Hey, I. I don't think the front is going to be the problem on this defense, though. I will say that. I, I think they have some good pieces up there. Um, Corleone, Briggs, um, Eric Phillips, Justin Watley, both both good contributors. And then I think they added they added a dude from Utah State who 
uh, was a fantastic pass rusher for Utah State last year. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, Dante Corleone also just a sophomore. That was his freshman year last year where he was putting up that. So that could explain, you know, some fitness, some getting into more conditioning stuff. And like, yeah, I mean, he could be potentially like one of the defensive players of the year in this conference. He's that good. 16 um, pressures from the nose tackle position on 300 on 300 snaps, right? Like that's fucking crazy. That is crazy. Um but yeah, I mean, I, I also want to mention that Cincinnati has a dog position, which I really like. Um, I liked I liked a lot of their position name. What is it? They have the dog and then dog they and have the star. dog and the star, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So any other guys really on this defense stand out to you? I mean, they're going to be starting four transfers. Um, they have a transfer at the dog, Daniel Griziak. Um Yeah, that's the Utah State guy, yeah. Okay. And then yeah. Jack Dinkle is going to be a sophomore playing a middle linebacker. And then Dorian Jones, um, also a transfer at the, uh, the weak side linebacker. Yeah. Dorian Jones, like two-year contributor at Louisville. So another guy that they're bringing from Louisville. I, I assume they probably like him. Um, Deshaun Pace, I'm guessing this is Ivan Pace's little brother, right? Like it probably mm-hmm. has to be. Um, at the star was good, was good last year. 600 plus snaps was, was solid. Um, I think in the secondary, you look at Taj Ward, Byron threats, Sammy Anderson, um, all good players, but they, they lost like they lost a ton on the back half of the defense. So like you look at those guys and it's like, a can they maintain the level of, of performance at the P five level? And then B, like, who the fuck, who who's playing behind them? Who who are they rotating in? So yeah. I don't know. I think I think generally the 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 front the defensive line, maybe the maybe the front seven is going to be okay, but I think they're really thin on the back half. Yeah, and, and I think that's just experience and the returning production aspect. Like last year, they were twenty first in the um, pass rank for um, beta rank. You know, they were good at limiting explosive plays, but I think a young secondary and an inexperienced secondary is like the recipe for allowing explosive plays. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I I feel like Cincinnati is, this is a team that is not building necessarily to like win this year. I think this is like a building a roster and like starting to look like a power five program sort of year to me. Similarly, I think the way we sort of talked about BYU, I think they're kind of in a similar um boat to me where it's like all right let's like start getting the right guys and start building out the depth because that is just a large part of it um so the cincinnati number this year five and a half five and a half and i'm pulling up the schedule here they have eastern kentucky to start the season then they have to go play in pittsburgh um against pitt that's probably a loss, um, I would say, or they're probably not going to be favored in that one. Um, and then Miami of Ohio, which a team they should be better than, but you know, maybe not like a layup, maybe like a seventy percent game, maybe an eighty percent game. Yeah, I mean, if you catch Miami of Ohio in the wrong year, that could be that could be trouble. I don't know if this is the wrong year. I haven't looked into it, but yeah. So then moving into conference play, they start with Oklahoma, as we mentioned, at home. So that'll be cool for them. Um, Then they go to BYU. They play Iowa State at home. They play Baylor at home. Go to Oklahoma State, have UCF, Houston, West Virginia, Kansas. Pretty soft last five-ish games of the season. You get Oklahoma State, UCF, Houston, West Virginia, Kansas. Um Sprinkle in BYU, Iowa State in there. There are games that, like, if they are in reach, they could win some of these games. Um, you said five and a half. Did. I would not go. I would I would hit the under on that. I mean, I think they're probably around two wins um, coming out of, out of conference. But, I mean, they're not going to be better probably than any team in the conference, maybe than, like, BYU. Um, would be my assumption. So, like, can you go steal two or three? I don't think I would. I would bet on it happening. 
No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, you're looking two and one. Like, you probably beat Eastern Kentucky and Miami. You lose to Pitt. Lose to Oklahoma. At at BYU. uh, That's a toss-up. Toss-up. Iowa State at home. Toss-up. Baylor's probably a loss. At Oklahoma State, probably a loss. UCF, probably a loss. At Houston, toss-up. At us, loss. Kansas probably lost. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't think I would go over. I don't yeah. think I would go over. It's a schedule that has a has a nice little ending to it. I mean, like those last five games, like they probably like those. Um, I I would trade either of these teams if they want to just trade straight up. I would <laughs> trade either of them. Actually, especially with Cincinnati, right? Because you still get Pitt. Oh yeah. Um, like. If they want to trade so that we can go like win eight or nine games, that would be fantastic. Definitely. I mean, that you know, obviously it's important when we're like picking these games. It's like someone has to lose them, and I feel like Cincinnati is likely one of those someone's who is going to lose a lot of these. Um, so, you know, I think just a year that they're going to be building, hopefully, in the right direction for them. Um, and hey, it's cool to have like a team close by to West Virginia. That is like fun. Um, for sure. Be cool to. I mean, Columbus, it'd be cool to drive down two hours to, to Cincy and catch a game there next year. Um, that'll be neat. So, um, all right. Any other any other hitters on Oklahoma or Cincinnati? No, no, I'm good. All right, cool. So, we have almost finished the deep dive series. Um, we have done 10 of the teams. We did not do Duquesne. Um, you can probably research them in a few minutes before the game, but we are going to do one more deep dive episode here this off season. So next week we are going to cover Baylor, um, in the first half, that is the last game on the schedule. And then we are going to do sort of the same treatment for the Mountaineers. So, you know, not a overly long form we'll to give them 30 minutes, just kind of like we do all these other teams roughly. And, uh, you know, sort of see how it stacks up, especially after we've done all of this comparison. I'm kind of excited to do it again. I think we did that offense and defensive chat, you know, back in like the spring. But um, as we're, we're getting ready again, it'll be nice to do that. So we'll be doing a Baylor and a West Virginia deep dive. And then I think we have some other fun episodes sort of coming before um, before the, the season gets going. So we'll, we will start the week before Penn State with a Penn State preview and then I think kind of similar cadence as last year where we sort of do the preview or the review preview um, coming out sometime in the early part of each week. Um, but stay tuned for some of the details on our other off-season episodes. We'll probably have some guests on here and um, should be exciting. Anything you want to add to that, Jordan? It's a great breakdown. I can't wait to do it. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. Um but yeah, we're getting close to football season. Thank you for listening. As always, you can get us on smokingmusket.com. You can get us on Twitter, X. You can find us in the Smoking Musket Discord, which is really fun. And uh, if you have not joined, you should. If you're looking for West Virginia basketball talk, you should check out Unreasonable Doubt. That is another uh, Smoking Musket podcast. Um, that is that is a really good listen. So um, other than that, Thank you for listening as always, and we will catch you next time. Take care, gang. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.